Hello, welcome to Circuit and Gear, a podcast where we discuss scenic automation and other interesting tech. I'm Gareth Connor, and I'm Royal Marty. Hey, Royal! After last week's episode, we got some more feedback, um, which is great. Yeah, uh, we got two bits of feedback. One we're going to get today, get to today, and one that we're going to hold off till next week. Yep. Um, first up, though, Chris Zinkon from the Ohio the State. The Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, a longtime customer and, and friend of the company, great guy. Yep. Um, he wrote in with some uh, some notes on our rig. He watched the video, listened to us talk about the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang car rig. Right. And had some ideas of how we could make it even better. Um, so here's his email. Just finished listening to podcast number five. Fantastic job again, guys. Thanks. <laughs> it was great to hear about the car rig and subsequent re-rig. After seeing the video, I got it got me thinking about alternative cable routing options for the lift portion of the car rig. Attached is a really rough sketch of a possible lifting alternative that might utilize a few less pulleys and cuts the number of visible lines running down to the car by half. If my math is correct, I believe it still achieves the mechanical advantage to get 2,000 pound load down to 500 pounds, four to one. Of course, I viewed the video right before going to bed and stayed up for quite a while trying different <laughs> options in my head. <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> we are all cut from the same cloth here. Um, at any rate, your solution looks great and certainly performs smoothly. Congrats, and I hope the load-in and programming go just as smoothly. Well, thanks, Chris. That's great. So Chris yeah. included a sketch, and he has a really great idea here. Um just to recap what the the existing car rig is, we have four corners basically of the car right. and um, ignoring the traverse on this for a moment, the lifting portion at each corner of the car, we basically have a four to one block and fall. Right, at each corner. At each corner. Yep. So there's four lifting lines going down to each, um, each corner of the car. Yep. And then we're taking the fall and cluing them together essentially uh, the two downstage pairs and the two right. upstage pairs each get clued to a single hall line. Yep. So that's where we transition from um, the two lifting, uh, two pulling lines to one pulling line. So Chris points out a very good idea here, which is instead of doing four to ones at each corner of the car, right. what we could do is do two to ones at each corner of the car. Yep. So we're only down to a two to one mechanical advantage at this point, but then we take the uh, the purchase lines and we um, we put those on a clue, right? And then on that clue, put another running block. block. Yes. So there we pick up yet another two to one mechanical right. advantage. Right. So we kind of did our mechanical advantage in parallel. Yes. Right. And this mechanical advantage would be like in series. Yeah. Or like parallel series. Because yeah. you still got like That's parallel yeah. on the two to ones, ones. Right. And then you go to a series. Yeah, but you got a two to one, uh, a two to one paralleled on the car. Yep. And then a in series with another two to, two one, to one off stage. Uh, yeah. With the running block. With the running block. Yeah. Right. So I think this is a really great solution. Um, It really, because it would cut down on the number of visible lift lines. Yes. The only slight problem with this um, in this particular rig is that the because of the height that we have available um, between the spot line winch and the traveler track. Right. Um, Which is what, roughly like 30 feet? 30 feet. Yeah. So we got 30 feet of vertical travel there for that the running block could 
good move. Yep. Um, and but we are forty some odd feet, almost fifty feet. Oh, help me out here. I don't remember how long the travel track is, but it's, it's yeah. Like the travel four, track is fifty feet. Fifty feet, right? Yeah. Yep. 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 So and we got fifty feet um, horizontally on the traveler track. Right. So we could get a little bit more available, um, available travel if we pull the lifting line horizontally across the track. Yes. Um, so which we could totally do even with Chris's idea, we would just have to, we'd have to do a little bit more pulley rigging to get that running block moving horizontally instead of vertically. Right. Um, because doing the running block outside of the track, that means we'd get what, like roughly like eight feet of travel. Yep. On the car, right? Right. After the four yep. to one. After the four to one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, we could pick up a little bit more than that, and because I think eight feet is kind of the the dead spec yes. of what we have to have right. on this one, and so we'd be running a little tight to that. Um, once you factor in the amount of the amount of height we're losing yes, for right, mountings right. and everything else. Um, so we take a l- maybe, so our current rig has those, uh, the lift lines running horizontally that, where we use the pulleys to reroute the, the lift line. So there we're actually pulling the clue right. horizontally. Um, and that gives us a lot, a bit more travel. Yep. Um, and so we could take Chris's idea and instead just, you know, take the block. Right. Take the block and move it horizontally. Yep. There are some problems with that right now. In fact, like the clue line is running inside the track, so yes. in the cavity. Um, so we don't have a ton of physical space in that cavity to fit the block. But yep. anyway, it would, it would totally be. It would just take some logistical planning to work it out. Yeah. Um. Uh. But the the point is very well taken, which right. is that this. Because we didn't think of all of those things no. at nine o'clock at night. Right, right, right. <laughs> that isn't why we didn't do Chris's idea. We didn't do Chris's idea initially because we weren't well, we uh, just thinking didn't of, it. Think of it. Right. <laughs> right. It just goes to show there's so many different ways to skin a cat. You know, like that's exactly what I was thinking. I think that's one of the great things about the, uh, doing the podcast and getting these ideas out there and yeah. uh, and letting some of our our foibles out, <laughs> <Right>. the, <laughs> out into the public eye is it's really fun to get some feedback from people about hey, you know. You could do it this way. Or could you do it this way? And you're like, oh, well, we didn't oh, think of it yeah, that way. You and, absolutely yeah. could do it that way. Right. Yeah. So um, I, I think that's great. And it's one of those, on a larger point, it's one of the uh, good takeaways from any of the, any project is that if you can, boy, it's great just to be able to bounce ideas around. Yes. With the more people, you know, more people who have experience uh, in automation um, that you can bounce your ideas around with. Right, the better, the better idea you're going to come yeah, up with, you right, know, it's, right, a, right. it's like a little crucible or or filter or something. Right, like, the more you can dump in there, yeah. it's more like a coffee filter, you know. Yeah, like, there you go. There you go. Right. <laughs> the more water you can put in there, the more coffee you're going to get out the other end or something. <laughs> I don't know. Lost it there on the analogy, but the point being still that uh, uh, great to get more people's opinions. Yes, the, that's really how you refine these ideas and get something better. So right. I love Chris's idea and that. Uh, it probably won't work out, unfortunately, for this one just because of timing and so on. Yeah. But, uh, but it's just another thing to think about. Another right? thing to think about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was great. Thanks, Chris, for the feedback. Yeah, thanks a lot, Chris. And actually, he did have one more follow-up email. Um, we'll post his sketches uh, up on the – maybe in the show notes or something. Um, his first idea really mimicked kind of our pulley layout. Yep. And then he came up with an alternate sketch a day later, too, that showed how you could kind of reorient things and use stock – 
spot blocks. Oh, nice. As well. Yes. So, nice. Yeah. Really cool. So with that said, um, one thing that's been on our minds this week has been the uh, difference between fabrication, like custom fabrication right. versus manufacturing. Right. Um, we finished up that Chitty Chitty Bang Bang rig yep. um, and shipped it at the beginning of the week. Right. And then right after we got that out the door, we had to kind of turn our focus back to our stock manufacturing. Right. And that and may sound like a subtle distinction. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not. It's very different. It's very different things. Probably different. And then next week, we're going to jump right back and go into, you know, fabrication. Yeah. Because we're going right. to start another custom job. And yeah. And so we'll have to switch gears again. Exactly. And it's funny. I think you and I are both kind of originally from the custom fabrication world. Right. Um, both in scene, like in actual theater, theater scene shops. shops right. Um, and then also commercial scene yes, shops. Yes. Right. Um, and it's really a different mentality that goes into that kind of work versus manufacturing yes, work, right? Um, which is, is it's f- great fun. I think we both enjoy doing some of the custom fab yep. work still. Yeah. Um, but definitely our bread and butter is the stock in the so the manufacturing, the manufacturing yep. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which we actually really, really enjoy. I mean, obviously, we must really enjoy, enjoy it because that's what we do. Right? <laughs> if we didn't really enjoy it. We've made we, some bad choices with our lives. We chosen to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I should have made a left at Albuquerque. Uh, so, but with that in mind, I, I thought it might be interesting, uh, or actually we both thought it would be interesting to chat about yep. kind of some of the different tactics we use for when we're doing fabrication things and when we're doing manufacturing things. Because it is a very uh, explicit and, um, what am I trying to say? We make a conscious choice. We make to very switch conscious gears. choices, yeah. right? Sometimes, right, right. even as far as rearranging the shop, if yes. that's what we need to do to when we switch gears from manufacturing to right. fabrication. Absolutely. So, let's start off. I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about um, on the on the mechanical side yep. of things. Uh, so, when you're designing uh, for custom fab, yep, you know how do you how do you, what, what's kind of the philosophy going through your head about like, well, this is because I mean, we all start kind of with the raw materials, yes. I think, you know, right. like, I'm going to make this out of steel. I'm going to make this out of carbon fiber. Cause you do a lot, yeah, a of, lot carbon, of carbon, lot fiber. Of carbon fiber, right. carbon fiber all the time, <laughs> um, concrete, you know, yeah. things like that. Right. Um, so, so anyway, <laughs> enough of my silliness, how do you start the process? What do you, what's your, so when it comes to fabrication, you know, you, I just think about what we have to do and then how can we easily achieve it? You know, yeah. so if it's just if it's like a some pulleys, then you know we're gonna have to cut some, cut and drill some plate. Yeah, and then it's like, what can we get that plate in, and like what widths? You know, is it six inches, is it eight inch, and then just go from there, and try and keep it as easy as possible. So right? are you thinking like I'm gonna start with four by eight sheets of steel? Right. Or I no, it's like I call the steel yard. And see what they have, you know, for, for like bar, bar yeah, stock. for bar stock, right? Uh, okay. Right, right. So like, we'll get like some six inch by quarter inch bar, and then and we'll go from there, or we'll get like eight inch, you know, whatever. So as you're like in SolidWorks and you're designing up the geometry of of whatever the mechanical linkages are or the mounting, yeah. you're thinking I'm gonna be doing this out of bar stock, right? Like, what are the shape? What are the sizes that we can easily get? Yeah, you know? And now you still do that rather than like say tubing or channel or I yeah, or- yeah. I mean, we'll do that too. We'll do tube. Okay, um, but it's 
and then again, if it's two, you just go and see what what they have and what we can get. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say it's mostly tube and bar that yeah. we do that we use. Um, very rarely. Oh, and, and and angle. Yeah. Oh, sure. A lot of angle iron. Yeah. Um, but you know, rarely do we use like channel and I beam and stuff. But if we do that, then before I like choose what size, we call the yard and see what they have. Right. And then we'll design around that because. You know, we're not a. We're not going to get enough for them to order it. Yeah, and then B, we're not going to. If it's custom, odds are we don't have the time. Right, right, right. That's a very good point because it's all about the schedule. Yeah. So it's like, what can we get in here quick, and or what do we have on the shelf? Maybe right. left over from the last, last custom job. job. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think we did some of that on Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, yeah. for instance. Is like we had to order some steel in, obviously, but then we had some stuff left over left, from right. other projects, and like, well, yeah, we got a lot of eight inch. Bar, right, exactly. You know, yeah. How about that become the, the flavor of the day? Right. So I try and make it, I mean, we, we try and make it so that everything you're doing is just like cutting steel. It's just like a, you know, it's just going to be like one cut like on the bandsaw. Okay. Um, And like on our horizontal bandsaw. And then usually just drilling holes. Gotcha. And so... We yeah, so you're we're really just like laying steel down on the on the cutting table, cutting on the horizontal bandsaw, like you said, right? And then maybe going to do a little bit of layout work with like a um, combo square, yeah, and a combo scribe. square, yeah, and, a, and a scribe and a punch, yeah, yeah. yeah. or maybe a full scale layout, yeah, exactly, right, yeah, uh, and then but just, we're not seeing seeing this, no, we're not seeing seeing this because it doesn't it doesn't do anything for us in terms of time. You know, it only slows us down and we're never going to touch them again. So unless it's really hard, why would we CNC it? Right. That's you know? a good point because CNC, the, maybe the operation is faster. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Possibly. <laughs> but that's the prep. The prep. Yeah, the prep. I mean, because you got you to gotta program it and then odds are you're, like, you're going to have to change it. Yeah. You know, if you're not going to usually... Rarely do you nail it the first time. Right. You know, so you're going to have to go back and change it. And then that's just more time to program. And then, you know, you could have been done by now if if it was just some holes that you're drilling. Right. That's a good point. Because yeah. especially when you say, you know, talking about holes and different sizes of holes, if you're doing tool changes on the CNC mill, right. um, then it takes that, up time. It takes up time. Yep. And you could just be throwing drill bits into a chuck exactly. on a drill press. Exactly. And that's, that's interesting. So what... So what kind of so for the tooling it sounds like it's mostly just a good saw yeah a good drill press and a great drill press right and our drill press has kind of come to head <laughs> as we saw like on Chitty lot you know a couple of weeks ago right um, we've had it for a couple of years now and it was a it was a decent one when we got it, it wasn't anything spectacular yeah. and I think we've just over the years we've just we've beat it up yeah, a bit ridden it a little too hard yeah, yeah 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 and I don't think we've misused it necessarily but I think it just uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't great. So it's, right. for for folks out there, it, it was a grizzly metalworking drill press, yep. one of their higher end ones, but not their highest end ones. Right. Um, and it's just kind of shaking itself to pieces. Um, so grizzly, as everyone knows, isn't that's not high end machinery. Yeah, right, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you don't buy those things, but you you buy them because they're cheap. But they're cheap and new. Yes. Um, which is if you're looking for used tooling. Uh, Typically, right? So, like, we just got a quote, for instance, on a on a new drill press. On a new drill press, right? A new nice clausing drill press. Yes, yeah, very nice. 
How much was that? It was forty five hundred dollars. Yeah, and you're like forty five hundred bucks. I mean, I hear you, but that's a that's a heck of a drill press. Right, you, you go know. buy a mill. Yeah, we could, we could get a pretty decent used Bridgeport. Right, for forty five hundred dollars. <laughs> right, you know, <laughs> or a or a slightly less decent used Bridgeport and put a really nice DRO on it. Exactly. So, right. Uh, yeah. And do more than just drill holes. Do more than just drill holes. So forty five hundred bucks is a, is a little bit much uh, for a shop. You know, we're not a custom job shop. We're yes. not making our living drilling holes eight hours a day. Right. Um. You know, we want to f- be able to fill in when we're doing custom jobs and be able to do it effectively. Yep. But we don't do that day in day out. That's not our gig. So, um, we are looking for something more in like the couple thousand dollars yeah. <laughs> at the right. most for a drill press. But it needs to be built for metal. It and, needs to be nice. And stout. Yeah. And heavy. Yeah, and heavy. Our bandsaw is awesome. Our drill press, not so much. Right. right, um, right. So what about machining these things, though? I mean, like, uh, what do... Uh, are we machining? Uh, I mean, do you, do you purposely avoid machining yeah. steps? I mean, I avoid it as much as possible. Yeah. You know, but sometimes there's no way around it. Sure. Um, so if, if we do have to machine it, it's going to be like as simple as possible. Okay. Um, you know, it's just going to be like precise rectangles. Like if we got to like cut a hole out in a piece of the, the plate, the bar or yeah. something like that, then like if you're making a motor mount or yeah, something right, right, or right. A bearing, housing. Yeah, bearing housing or something like that. Right. We would, we do it on the mill. Um, or if like, and would that be, to- I'm sorry to interrupt. So, it, and that would be, and at that point you're programming for the CMT or you do, uh, we'd still try and do it on the manual mill, do it on the manual yeah, mill, still try to do it on the manual with mill. a DRO and a blueprint. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. How it's always been done. Yeah. <laughs> right. Time immemorial. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Sometimes we catch a little bit of slack from that. Yeah. From, you know, from the guys, from our guys, mm-hmm. like they want to do it on the CNC and like this. Yeah, it's still faster. Still faster. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, also when like, you're doing one part, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Uh, if you have to mill slots, um, right. we'll just like mill the slots. Right. That's uh, a good point. Yeah. yeah. So if you want to do slots, that's obviously got to be done on the, our mill. But. Right. Or like precise hole patterns. You know, so like circular hole patterns, like for like motors or. Um, yeah. Again, it, like you know, motors it, and bearings, right? right? It's like anything that's uh, any rotating device in the linkage is right. going to probably have a, a bolt circle on it. Right. So if it's got to be precise, then we'll do it on the on the mill. Yeah. But yeah, we try and do everything just just with the scribe. Yeah, as know, fast as you can, right? Combo scribe, right? Yeah. Or or calipers and right. Yeah. Yeah. Or a full full scale print and and uh, yeah. spring punch. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, and then. On our stock product side, we try and avoid welding as much as possible. Right. Um, you know, for many reasons. You know, one of the bigger reasons is just that it takes up space to right. stock these products. Once you take flat yeah. plates and weld them together <laughs> weld into together, cubes, yeah. right. now you have to store cubes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but on the custom side, on the custom fabrication, we don't really care about welding. So we'll, we'll just weld everything. Right. You know, we don't. We don't like try and take time to like think about how we can get it all to bolt together or drill how, and tap everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. We're just gonna go weld it. You know, yeah. Because a, we don't care how much space it takes up because it's only gonna be in the shop for like a week. Yeah. Um. And then it's just so much faster. Right. Right. And so. then material wise, I've heard you mention a lot of steel. We use a ton of aluminum on our stock products. How about aluminum on the custom jobs? Yeah, we use aluminum on the custom jobs too. But uh, you know, one of the big advantages to steel is that it's strong. It's so much stronger than the, than aluminum. So you don't have to think about you know how how is this how is this going to react? You know, is it strong enough? Um, then we also weld a lot. 
And so we don't really like to weld the aluminum. Right. So we'll, we're not using it for that. Um, and then also we're not doing machining. You know, we're not like making, we're not making fancy parts on the CNC. Um, right. And that's another good thing that, another thing that aluminum is very good for is it's super easy to machine. Right. Uh, so it's just not worth it on the, on the, the fabrication side, like on the custom side. That makes sense. And then of course it's cheaper too. It's, right. So yep. again, for one-off parts. And easier to get. And easier to get. Right. Yeah, I mean, we've got a couple, us. couple of steel yards around us to like, you know, they can deliver like the same day or the next day. Or we can send or a guy out. send a guy out and pick it up. You know, and then the aluminum is, is for, further away. And You're right. delivery time is like usually two or three days. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, given our particular circumstance, especially, I mean, I suppose if, if you lived right next to an aluminum <laughs> right. yard, right. It, that wouldn't come up. But for us, it's a very real thing it, that, uh, especially on these custom jobs where like say on Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, right? Where yeah. we, we made a big design change at nine o'clock the night before yep. and then the morning we need to get more steel right so we could implement those changes Go and so we had some of it but we didn't have all of it and yes. so somebody has to run to the steel yard and you don't want to wait well it'll be two or three more days well two or three more days this job's gonna be on a truck right so. we gotta get out of here yep so <clears throat> that makes sense yeah and then so that's really cool to think about the the design side and that really gives me a clear picture of uh of how you think about it i mean if i'm reading you right it sounds like you're you're, you know, you're starting from a, a an image of I'm going to take stock sizes. You know, yes. like I'm not going to make something four and nine sixteenths inches right. by five and three thirty seconds totally. inches. Like it's yeah. a, this is a six inch bar. I'm going to rough, I'm going to cut it to four inches long. Right. right. And sometimes, you know, sometimes I'll find myself I do that of like I make this like crazy size plate. Yeah. And then I go to make the drawings. I'm like, what the? What are you doing? You can't do this. And then I go back and change it. You know? Right. And who cares if if it's big? Yeah, right. Whatever. I yes, mean, if it sticks out a little bit past the motor right. flange, <laughs> right. No big deal. No big deal. Yeah, yeah. Something that you might really finesse on a stock product. Yeah, absolutely. And you'd obsess over. You, you you can't do that. You can't do that on a custom job, right? right. Uh, now, so that's cool from the design side. Then from like a fabrication production end of when it actually hits the floor. Yeah. How do? What's the kind of process there? Yeah, so uh, usually, you know, we, we hand the drawings over, um, and the guy that starts making the part will oftentimes finish it, and, it's, and he just starts and keeps working until it's done. Right, so you're not really batching right. processes or even batching components. Right. Like, here is a chunk of the job. Now you're going to just walk it all the just, way through. Yeah, yeah go and, make it. Yeah. As opposed to, like, on the stock products where, like, we have the guy that runs the CNC He's gonna make, he's gonna make eight limit switch mounts for the spot line or yeah. something like that, and he, you know, he's just gonna do that in batches because we know we're gonna need eight, maybe not this week, but sometime, up. yeah, right. sometime over the next several weeks or months or whatever, we're gonna we're those gonna are gonna get used yeah, up. They're not if, changing, yeah. And as long as we get the material on the table and the file loaded up in the mill, let's right. go ahead and make let's them. Go, right. Let's go forward. Um, so you know that's a big adjustment for them as well of, you know. A, we got to get this done quickly, and B, I'm going to go drill these holes. Well, first I'm going to cut the steel, then I'm going to drill these holes, and then I'm going to weld it all together. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And and that could be kind of any one of us in the shop, right? right. I mean, it could be. It's not. Yeah. You know, it's not unheard of that it could be you or me Absolutely. out there, like right. taking the prints and just going at it. I mean, depending on the the what's on the floor and yeah. what's going on there. <laughs> um, and you know, we're not a huge operation, so that you know, everyone pitches in. Yeah. But. 
one of the things that, and just speaking from my own experience on that, of you know, if you take the print in your hand and start making something, you also, you know, you're responsible for making sure that you spot and potential was, problems, right? Right, because right. because it's not a stock thing that's been rigorously kind of wrung through the shop several right. times. Um, you know, you got to keep your eyes open about hey. I don't think you these know. holes are going to line up. I don't think these holes are going to line up. Right. right, right. Is it? Yeah. Is this leftover? You know, is this a change that didn't get ch- chased through? Or, yeah, is this going to fit in there? How am I going to get a wrench in there? Yes, you know, right. Things like that. Um, and then uh, we have here in the notes the aesthetics, and I th- we t- we just briefly touched on this yeah. already, but it, you know, th- because you're designing the stock sh- shapes and stuff, we maybe don't get so so fancy yes. with the profiles and right the fancy logo cutouts weight reducing holes weight, exactly right it's not as it's not as pretty yeah you know but we're not we don't care about that because it's just it's going to be up for a show it's going to run and then it's going to go get to the scrap yard right yeah right, right right so that's that's interesting and then uh, about um what do we do about like uh, you know purchasing and yeah stock tracking and those sorts of things right so like when we start custom jobs we'll just go through the drawings and buy everything that we need i mean we'll we'll go out in the shop and see what we have right but if we don't have it then if we don't if we can't lay eyes on it then we just assume we don't have it yeah and we'll just buy everything we need which is very different than like stock products land where you know we have our inventory software and we say we're going to build three spot lines and and it we calculate you, yeah, exactly, right. yeah. The software exactly will tell you what, what you need. need. Yeah, right. Yep. It says you're going to be short one nut. Right. Right. <laughs> yes. Exactly. But we don't know that. Right. You know, and so and we, and that's a that's something that we consciously think about, and we just order extra of things, right? Because right. on on custom on jobs. custom work, yeah, yeah, on custom work, because you don't want to run out of nuts on a Saturday night. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Now that that's never now that it's never happened. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> The special nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was funny. I don't even remember what job it was for, but that was that we had a bunch of eighty twenty track, yeah. right? Eighty yeah, twenty yeah. extrusion, and uh, it was the <laughs> sl- the the slot nuts. It's like a unistrut nut for eighty twenty track, right? And we were short a few. Yeah, and it was yeah because I didn't want to buy anymore. I'm like, those are kind of expensive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I had to make some. <laughs> yes <laughs> that's right that's right yeah that's yeah and then you and since then you buy extra exactly <laughs> <laughs> so forget so in contrast uh like let's look at the manufacturing side of that so where we've done you know you're saying like bar stock right horizontal bandsaw drill press scribes and punches how does that contrast to if you're doing if you're designing a stock product? What's the manufacturing process that you envision as you're designing? Yeah, on the manufacturing side, we know we'll send almost everything to WaterJet. So like we'll we'll try and make all of our stuff like plates and bolt together frames. So it's going to have you know a plate on either side and a, a pipe bridging the gap and yeah. holding them together. So those side plates, you know, we know that we're going to send out to WaterJet. Yeah. Um, so. At that point, we just do whatever we need to do. Right. Right. You make so, exactly the shape you exactly want. Exactly the shape you want. You so cut out whatever be, you want. Right. If it wants to be 13 and 3 eighths by 15 and 7 eighths, then whatever. Yep. Um, then we'll do it. The robot doesn't care. Right. Exactly. And then we'll, yeah, we'll put all the weight holes in there, the logos in there, 
Yeah. Um, you know, all the slotting and all the holes as well. So that's great for, you know, flat plates and then for something more intricate than you can get out of flat plates. Right. So then we'll use our four axis mill. Right. And that's in house. So water jet, we have to send out. We don't have a water jet in house, but then we do have a four axis milling machine here. In house. Right. And so there we will, you know, we'll take the time and write the files for it. Yeah. And we'll run it and we'll see, you know, if there's a way we can make the design better so it decreases the machining time, or if there's a way we can change the machine process to, Increase the decrease the machining time, you know, and you spend a fair amount of time modeling fixtures too, yeah, as well. Exactly, so, right. So fixture plates, so that you can have trays of parts that are right. going, through, going through the machining process. Right, and then like as you're designing it, you always think about, well, how are we going to make this? Right, you know, how are we going to machine this? Like, if it's going to be machined, how are we going to machine it? We gotta, you know, we gotta make a part that it's going to be easily machinable. Right, right, yeah. And, and then like reduce the number of tool changes. Exactly. And, yeah. Right. Right. Or like the side, you know, how many sides the part has to be machined on. Right. So how many times do you have to take it out of the fixture and put it in a new fixture? In a new fixture. Right. Cause that, that all takes time. Yeah. And you're trying to really shave them. And at that point we are literally looking at the minutes yes. of, of time it takes to do things and trying to reduce the number of minutes. And, right. You know, if you can save 90 seconds on a part, you do that. You do the four hours of re-engineering work yeah. to save 90 seconds on a machine cycle because Over we're going to be doing that for six, years. seven years, right? Yeah. Or however long the product is going to stay for. Right. It's worth it's it. It's going to make a big difference. Yep. 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 So we're doing water jet, which is ending out. We're doing four-axis milling. And then for like shafts and stuff. For shafts and stuff, we use our manual mill. Manual lathe. I'm sorry, manual lathe. <laughs> <laughs> we sometimes use trying. the mill, but that uh, hasn't worked out as well. Yeah. I keep trying to use the mill. It just doesn't work how how we'd expect it to. <laughs> no, we'll use the lathe. Um, you know, and also because we have a fairly large engine lathe, right? Right. Um, but a manual with a DRO on it, yeah. a nice DRO. And- a good point on the you know the stock product side versus the custom side like on the when it comes to the shafts like we will put clip rings on all of the re- retaining rings on all of the stock products right but if it's custom usually we don't, we don't take the time to do that yeah we'll just like grab a shaft collar and right. throw a shaft collar on there right, right? that makes sense yeah or or even drill and pin if it needs yeah, to be more it, yeah more rigid than a shaft collar but yep. right something kind of I don't want to say quick and dirty, but quick and dirty. Quick and dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, and then material-wise, you're... Predominantly aluminum. Yeah. And then, and then a fair amount of plastic, too. We use plastic on... on yeah, Delrin. And Delrin, and... yeah. yeah. Um, but predominantly aluminum. Yep. So and that's because the weight... The weight and then the ease of, machine, uh, of machining. Ease of machining. Right. And then also... Uh, from a longevity standpoint, the rust. Yeah, it doesn't um, rust. You know, that everything gets treated, obviously. You know, steel parts will get powder coated. Right. Aluminum parts will either get powder coated or anodized. anodized. Um, but steel parts, even powder coated, you know, they get they get drug around. These are not light machines that we make. <laughs> right. Um, and so they tend to get drug across floors. Yes. And then the powder coat eventually scrapes off. And then you don't want that stuff to start rusting underneath right. the powder coat. And then the powder coat flakes off. And then it just doesn't look pretty. And no, it doesn't last it as long. It doesn't and, last as long. And, right. and aluminum doesn't have that problem, obviously. Exactly. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so. And then not 
not welded. You mentioned that we weld a lot on right. custom jobs. But. Yeah, but on the stock product side, we try not to weld the things because, like we were saying earlier, it's it takes up a lot less room. You yeah, know, we can have these side plates sitting on a shelf, and we can have like a machine. For, I mean, a, you know, it's ten machines worth of side plates sitting on a shelf that takes up maybe six inches of yeah. height. You know, as opposed to it'd be you know stacks and stacks of the welded frames. Yep. So easier to store. Also, it doesn't right. warp, right, from yes, the welding. I mean, right. uh, you know, so it's less to keep, it's less to, the easier process. Yeah, exactly. You know? Right. And then um, better repeatability. Yeah. And you don't. You don't have to it, jig it. You don't have to, like, yeah. have all these jigs lying around for them or anything like that. Yeah, and you don't need to have somebody who can weld. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right. so it makes it, it opens up the doors for uh, easier assembly for depending on who's available to do the machine right. assembly. Just, yeah. Just somebody oh, that can use a torque wrench. Just use a torque wrench. Exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Set it to this. Wait till it clicks. Yep. Push until it clicks. <laughs> exactly. Right? Um, and then speaking of, the, of, you know, guys turning wrenches, um, the, what's the process is, is not so start to finish. Like we don't right. like we don't take a spot line hoist, for instance, and like, well, today we're gonna build one. And right. We're gonna start by machining the drum, and yes. then we're gonna go on. Yeah. <laughs> then we're gonna yeah, we're gonna machine the limit switch mount. Yeah, right, yeah. right, yeah. So, like like I was saying, we'll kind of choose which parts take the longest to make. Yep. Um, and then also like what parts are cheaper. You know, right, and we'll start. And ideally, up on those. both, yeah, right? Exactly. Like the right. low material cost, but more labor intensive, will tend to stock up on. Right, because right. Like the drums are are yeah. kind of like that, right? right. In terms of the mach- in machine land, they're kind of, they're pretty affordable, yeah, material wise, but they take a while to do. Yeah. Um. So we'll kind of stock up on drums and stock up on other parts, and then we'll just have them sitting on the shelf, and then when it comes, we'll send them off to paint, have them sitting on the shelf ready to be assembled. And then when an order comes in or something needs to happen, then we will, then it could be completely, somebody else comes and assembles the machine. Right. Yeah. Not the, not the same person who made the drum, not the same right. person who made the limit mount, not the or same the person shaft. who made the drive shaft. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But whoever it is. Yeah. Uh, yep. whoever's available goes to the shelf of parts and puts one together. And oftentimes we don't have, especially like a machine land. Right. We won't have it in complete. I mean, sometimes we do, but, rarely do we have a complete finished machine sitting on the shelf because that's a it takes up now we've lost our advantage of having things easy to store yep and then there are still some uh fairly expensive parts like the The motor motor. (laughs) (laughs) that uh we don't necessarily want to have lying around right um especially since we use different motors on different products you don't want to you know take all your capital and Put it into tie it up in yeah. spotline motors and then get a bunch of push sticks ordered right. and not have the money available right. to buy exactly. push stick motors. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, the final assembly of the machine is really not that long. It doesn't take that long. No. Yeah, we can crank machines out several in a day right. pretty easily per guy. Yes. Um, if uh, if we if, if we're at that yeah if we're at that point exactly. Going back to like kind of how our what we choose to make and what we choose to keep on hand. You know, we have these, what we call wine racks. Um, they're just like little plywood boxes yep. um, that have notches cut out for them for shafts. And we have specific wine racks for each machine. Right. Right. So we'll have a wine rack. We'll have, a, you know, like 10 wine racks for a push stick, 10 wine racks for the revolver, 10 wine racks for the spot line. And then we'll stock up on shaft 
yeah. and then we'll go and machine all of those shafts and then we throw them in the wine racks so when it's when it comes time to assemble a machine you just go grab that wine rack yeah bring it over to the bench and you got all the shafts. And as long as all the slots in the wine rack are full, yep. you know you can assemble a complete push stick with the shafts that you have. Right. You know, for, yeah. And that's that. That's been a nice, nice thing to have. Yeah. Know, it's been a great process enhancement for yeah. us that we've been doing for a few years now. Of, of because uh, that's a great example. Shafts are relatively inexpensive. You yep. know, I mean, it's um, solid steel isn't the cheapest thing in the world, but it's it's, it's cheaper than right. uh, many things. But it is labor intensive to do all of the shafts prep, you know, yeah. cutting the shafts to length, facing them off, chamfering the edges, putting clip rings right. on, maybe turning down and, 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 yeah. yep. and it kind of sneaks up on you, you know, like when you're like, oh, I just got to like make two shafts. And yeah. It takes a while. Yeah. It's like, and, and then usually it's like, I just got to make two shafts. Oh, but then there's those three other little shafts that are also in the machine. Oh, and then those shafts. And, yeah, you know, exactly. Like, there's like eight shafts in this machine and I'm going to be doing this all day. All day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it's nice to, you know, but if you preload that pre- Work. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 And yeah, the wine racks are each each wine rack is like a little caddy, and that it's got handles on it that you right. lift off of the stack of yeah. They mate to each other. They, yep. They kind of so. so we stack them up, um, and then you can pull pull one wine rack off and go over to the assembly bench. Right. Yeah. And then so the components for all that stuff are tracked. In our inventory, yes. every little part that we have, every but, every bolt, every nut, every washer, every spring, every spring, yeah. every key, machine key, right? Yeah, everything, all the way down, every length of wire used uh, to wire up a motor yes. or the cord grip, the you know, all in, that stuff right. goes into our custom inventory software that we have um, that we that we built here for tracking our stuff, right? And um, and we have something like, like I wrote 12, it down here, 1,200 something-ish. Yeah, 1,256 12, components at the moment that we have to track in the shop. Right. Um, and, you know, if you're missing one thing, you can't build, <laughs> the, hold you build the product you need to build today. Yep. Um, so inventory tracking is a big deal for us on that. Yeah. Um, all, all those components are tracked. And you're still gonna say in time too, right? We, we, right. We track the time so we know how long it's gonna take. Yeah. You know, yeah. and we don't track the time just once. We right. track the time over, you know, over a period of time. Just trying to average and, them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And see how long it takes this guy. See how long it takes that guy. And we and do then, it per process. It's not like how long does a spot line take? Like, right. Well, that's a very broad number. But yes. a, how long does the limit switch mount take to machine? Right. How long does the, how long does it take to cut the the raw material for the limit switch. Right, mount, right, right, right. The rough cut process. Right. Exactly. Yes, yes, exactly. So how long all does it take those... to set it up? How long, how many tool changes? And that's a big deal when you get to scheduling. So you've got like component inventory on the one side for purchasing, but then for production and scheduling, you got to look at like, well, do we, you know, if we know we got to get X amount of stuff built by right. the ship date. Yes, we would like to also at the same time do a little bit of bulk work to, uh, you know, we don't want to build one spot line I'm sorry, we don't want to make all the parts for just one spot line. We want to have, maybe we're only assembling one spot line. Right. But since we're doing this, let's go ahead and do another six batches of parts. Yes. Do we have the time in the schedule? Right. You know, or do we have to cut that number back to four? Because right. we have the time to do four batches. Yes. Um, and so that's important. And then the process, you know, it's mostly autonomous, really. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. We get an order in and then we punch it into our inventory system and then, and then we just kind of, 
start. You yes. know, and it the everybody who's kinda, available. Right. Yeah. Everybody kind of knows what to do. Um, and if we have they, a big production sheet that's yes. on our again part of our inventory software that's on our little website, our internal, our intranet site. Yes. Um, so you can look at the production sheet and see all the outstanding orders that still have to be filled and then what parts are, are I'm sorry, what products rather have to have to be put have together. To be built, right. And then, you know, everybody's kind of familiar with the process. Um, and then the, we also have websites, little internal websites that guide you through the process of building all of these products. Like we have a website for building, for assembling the push stick. A website for assembling the spot line and those websites have pictures and then they also have uh, notes notes and right. any you know pertinent documents are attached to those websites right and then in machining land you know you, you use the they use like the CAD software to see like where the zero is a lot of times and then they also have notes written in in our Google Docs right about you know what they think you know what, what we have found to work best right yeah. So we have, we certainly have like drawings for all of these things, right. but you find that once a product has been through the ringer a few times, the drawings get used less and less. And these other forms of documentation get used more and more. Right. The, the um, assembly websites that we mentioned um, and then the Google docs and yes. things of that nature right. tend to get. Yeah. Like I think the only more. drawing that gets referenced for the spotlight now, is just that side plate drawing of like which holes get tapped to which. Right. To watch thread. You know, and right. that's that's the only drawing that gets used. <laughs> right, right. Other than that, you switch over to the website. The website's, the website's nicer in the sense that you see live pictures. Right. And usually, you know, as you're taking pictures, and anyone can take pictures and add pictures to the site and so on, but you can take a picture of like, this is the, I have a 14 millimeter wrench in my hand yes. to tighten this bolt. And, I, and it, I've always forgotten that it's this wrench. Yes. Right. And, you know, and put this bolt in before you put that bolt in. That'll make it easier for you. Yeah. You know? And all that kind of, uh, you know, corporate history gets built into those websites, you right. know? And, uh, yeah. Anyway, so that's cool. Um, then on the electrical side. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll let you tell us a little bit about the electrical side. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when you start for like custom work, yep. how do you start? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it has a lot of parallels, obviously, to the mechanical side. I mean, the um, I mean, first things first, honestly, like for custom, uh, we do custom cases for everything, all the enclosures. Okay. We, we very rarely do like a Ganema box. Like a Ganema box. Enclosure? Okay. Right, right. 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 Yep. The, they don't look as nice and uh, it's harder to get them labeled, yeah. you know, honestly. Yeah. Uh, we have to, you don't want to like put P touch labels on it. Right. Or, and it takes yeah. a fair amount of time to like go and like drill holes out. And, yeah, and that's right. And stuff yeah. like that. Because you can't really put it on the mill. <clears throat> right. You know, oftentimes they're too big to go on the mill. That's right. Yep. So, so, uh, so yeah, we tend to do custom cases regardless of its stock or, uh, yeah. or, uh, or a custom fab job. We'll, we will make a sheet metal enclosure and send that off yep. to manufacturing. So we don't manufacture the sheet metal enclosures in house, but we have a sheet metal shop that does it for yeah. us. And so then we're doing like the silk screen design and stuff like that too. Yep. And Which, we do all that yeah. like an illustrator. Right. Yeah. Which the customer really likes. It looks you know, great. It looks very yeah. nice. It doesn't yeah. look quote unquote custom at that point. Right. It looks like I'm, so yeah. it looks like you might be able to build, you know, just call up and order four more of them. Which right. You can't actually do. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we start with a custom case. Honestly, with a, a for a custom job, I honestly start with a, usually like a stock NEMA sizing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'll look at <laughs> NEMA sizes for like, well, this is like a 20 by 20 by 6 or a 20 yeah. by 24 by 8. Um, 
because I know in my head I can kind of gauge this is how many components I've got on the, the wiring uh, diagram and I kind of know roughly how yeah. much volume I need in the cabinet yep. for it. And so, but I can think of the, those things much easier just in NEMA sizes if I look at a catalog. So right. I kind of start with that sizing and then, um, and then use that reference to uh, size it up gotcha. and then start laying in all the, the right. cutouts and stuff. So then like, do you just, I mean, I'm sure you use we're using DIN rail and wire duct and stuff like that. So do you just like put rows of I just put poles yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I won't I won't like meticulously plan out where every component is placed yeah. uh, in the drawing. I will just you know basically figure out well I need this many linear feet of DIN rail um to clip all of my electrical components onto. Yep. Um and so let me get three rows of DIN rail in there. I know I'm gonna need wire duct in between each row. I know I'm gonna need wire duct the bottom and the top and on the right. sides. And then let's just add a mess of holes in to to grab all that DIN rail and um wire duct. Um yeah. And so I will try to avoid any sort of like chassis mount components. It's something yes. that's gonna need its own special bolt pattern. Uh, try to get it all din rail mount DIN on a custom job. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, even if it's more expensive, you know, it's like a you might get a cheaper power supply chassis mount, but it's not worth it. The like time, I'll just right? yeah, I'd rather just and the flexibility of well maybe yeah, I'll get into point. the wiring yeah, yeah. yeah get into yeah. the specific cabinet wiring and oh boy it'd be easier if the power this supply a, was over on the left hand side instead of the right hand side. I wish I'd seen that. Yeah, um, that's a good point, and that's easy just to unclip and yeah. and push it over. Um, we it, don't do any wiring schedules, you uh, know. Yeah, right, right. We just uh, so you don't you don't just you're not you're not saying you don't uh, figure out how long each wire is going to be. <laughs> I don't <laughs> on a custom job. We'll take the wiring diagram, yeah. you know, and uh, and and plop all the components in, yeah, and then just kind of like you know, shove a wire into a right. terminal, spool it off of a spool, cut it, strip it, yeah, terminate it. So like on our stock products, we use like a, a bunch of pre-cut wire. So do you? It sounds like you probably are saying that. Not We're just so much. using a bunch of like spools of wire. Yeah, right? you we'll just e- line up a spool, you know, all the spools, and you just grab it and cut what you need. Yeah, exactly. So you know, on the you'll set up a bench and put a pipe on the bench and line up your spools on on the uh, on the pipe. Yep. Right. And then uh, yeah, you just grab you know ten gauge, eighteen gauge, yeah. whatever you need. Right. Uh, off the spool. If and there's an obvious. It's it's just because it's like quicker than like digging in like, they, oh, the 12 inch is too short, but the 14 is too long. Right. 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 Yep. And it, if there's an obvious use of like, hey, this is really just a 10 inch wire. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'll just go to the bins and grab a 10 inch pre-cut, pre-stripped right. wire. Um, but so often it's just not, you know, it, it, it ends up just being easier to you know, cut yeah. each one. Yeah. Um, and like, and so we use... Like in the stock product side, stock product side, we use a lot of circuit boards. Yeah, right, and that's you, an interesting point. Do we use just a lot talking of circuit about circuit boards on because we, we really don't, right? I mean, we don't. we don't. Yeah, because you know, speaking of wiring, right? In custom jobs, it's pretty much all point to point wiring. Yeah, you know, we just buy components that can be wired up with uh, discrete wires, right? Um, and try to stay away from circuit board mounted components. Yeah, yeah that is polar opposite of what we try to do on the stock product side right um, stock products wherever we can we squeeze a circuit board in because yep. circuit boards we can get them manufactured in bulk for cheap yes and then uh it 
it takes out any of the thinking work in terms of the wiring. Right. You don't, you know, you can just slam a component onto a circuit board and a bunch of components on there and solder them up and they don't have to, um, you don't have to be caught, you know, you don't have to think like, did I get pin one to pin four? Right. You know? Exactly. And is that wire tight? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. You yeah. just have to, you know, as long so, as you're, the soldering process is good yep. then you're good. So yeah, we don't, we don't tend to use circuit boards at all on right. on custom but, jobs. But we could get like low quantity circuit boards if we wanted to, right? Yeah, you can. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Yeah. You know, there's lots of circuit board houses out there. Um, we yeah. tend to use um, Sunstone quite a bit. Yeah. Um, there's a few other ones that we use as well. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can get low it's quantity. It's also the engineering time, right? I mean, to right. Lay out the circuit board, it takes, it, it takes, it takes a while. It takes yeah. a while. It takes a while. Yeah. That's right. Yep. Just like the, we were talking about the, the CAD tools uh, yeah. last week that we use for circuit design. So you got, yeah, you got to design up a circuit. And that takes, that's, that takes more time than walking out to the bench and just starting to wire things. Right. So, and so since we're not using circuit boards, then we don't really use like, microcontrollers and stuff right yeah and custom jobs we try to steer clear we don't do a lot of custom development um at the micro level right. so we won't yeah we won't make like our own little motherboard and stuff for our custom job we'll just try to use like maybe i mean depending on what the job is right yep. uh, like if it's something that we can just use the the vfd's built-in capabilities like a, take the the vfd and wire some buttons and switches yeah. into it then we'll just do that if yep. we can do it um if we got to move up a step from there, then we'll use PLCs. Right, your favorite. <laughs> yeah, that's what I live for. <laughs> so, <laughs> but they have their uses in custom jobs. Yeah. It's definitely one of them. Yeah. Um, and then much like in uh, mechanical fabrication, the process is really like start to finish. Yeah. You know, you you don't batch the the processes. You just like right. open up a cabinet, start putting in components, wire the components, test the product, yeah. ship it. You know. Yes. Um. And that's very different. Like if we turn over to the manufacturing side, um, you know, we have starting at the cases, you know, where cases are, you know, we're still doing sheet metal yeah. design cases and on custom our manufactured, yeah. yeah, custom sheet metal on the uh, manufactured products. Um, but there we're going to, we're going to stock them in quantity. We're going to make them the exact size that we want to make right. them. Much like you're saying with machine parts, you know, it's like, we'll, we'll suck, We'll suck down the size to get the exactly the fit that we yeah. want. Um, it'll be a lot more refined of a design, right? Because we'll get a we'll, we'll place an order. And yeah, we'll make them, and then we'll see. Well, what do we want to change? Yeah, then we'll change that before we place our next order. Yeah, yeah. and then the, the purchasing those, process is a little different there too, because yeah. you know we, uh, you know, we, with the sheet metal shop we work with, we'll be able to place a blanket order for a bunch of the same cases. Right, but. Um, so we'll commit to buying a certain quantity, yep. a fairly large quantity of cases. Um, but we will say, but you know, we'll commit to that to get a better pricing, but we're only going to take delivery a few at a time, you know, maybe yes. 10 at a time or something. Um, and then if we have minor tweaks between runs, right. we can make those tweaks. If they're major redesigns, then we got to pay setup charges and stuff again. Yep. But, um, but a lot of times if we're making changes... It's just minor. Tweaks, it's just minor. Right? It's like, yeah. ah, I got to move. Like what we were, you know, we're, we just got through a, another batch of Showstopper 3 consulate yeah. panels. And, um, and there are just like 
a couple of little tweaks I still want to make to that sheet metal enclosure where we want to where we want to close up a gap on the sheet metal by like right. fifty thousandths, and I want to open up a gap by about twenty five thousandths. Yeah. I want to move the e stop button up by just about a, eighty thousandths. Yeah. And so it's like little tiny adjustments, but boy, it's gonna you know it's just gonna again kind of polish up the look and feel and yeah. finish and make it a little easier, easier to assemble. To assemble. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we can make those changes. Yep. Um, and then how are the like how are the stock products optimized? I mean, are they optimized? Like, do we uh, for in, cost in and of, space? Yeah. You know, um, space for like like in space in terms of what? Like in terms of like for us or in terms of uh, like no the customer? You know, trying for to the get, yeah, trying to get the you know the smallest enclosure we can. I mean, yeah. it, you know, I say that, and in the back of my head, I also think like, well, there's some cases where we're also optimizing for universality, yes. if that's even a word. But the um, we try to. You know, we we'll might make, make like a base enclosure that yep. can be used across multiple products, and right. then it gets customized with additional face plates or something. Yes. So in that case, you might have like, well, in this, you know, we take the most common product that it's going to be used for, yep. and we try to make it the tightest package we can. And that might mean that for a less common product, that maybe it's not the most efficient case. Yeah. But what we gain back there is that we can gain efficiency where we can reuse the same base enclosure across right. multiple right. products. And we do that on like on our rack mount. Yeah, we products, do it. Right? Yeah, we do it on the rack mount products. We actually do it on the stagehands. Yep. Um, so like the stagehand classics, you know, they're like a they look a little bit like a tower PC. Yeah. Um, I mean, not only their overall shape, but then the they have bolt patterns in there for I think six different drives that you can put inside of a stagehand case. Yeah. Um, so you could put in a a two horse five horse or five horse VFD. Um, you can actually go up to seven and a half horse VFD. Yep. Um, and then you got three different DC drives that you can put in there as well. Right. Right. So I guess that's six. Yeah. I mean, six drives, six, six yeah. drives yeah. that you can put in, into the one case. And yep. there's, there's just the different mounting holes for right. all of those. And we have like a little adapter plates for different connectors. If we, go that's the, right. If we drop down to the DC or the voltage, that's right. You know, input yep. voltage and, and, current changes yep yep so, so like again like a, yeah for the connector mountings on there right. like they're they're made for the most common and then there's an additional like four bolt holes around the connectors where you can slap on a whole different plate right um that will have a different connector layout for a different product yep. yeah yep and so on our stock products do we have we we make wiring schedules for each product right yeah so there's a yeah, there's a spreadsheet that like every wire inside that cabinet is going to be numbered and the length is going to be predetermined and then the um, termination is on, going to be called yeah, out. On so it's either like, on both ends. On right? both ends, yep. yeah. So each end will you know, be called that. It's got like a ferrule on this end and a ring terminal on that end. And it goes from this this component, this terminal to the, that component, that terminal. Gotcha. Um, and then that feeds into the pre-cut wire thing. Uh, so we do every... Every wire length, like we have, we take, we assemble all of our wiring schedules and run that through the, through the filter and right. see this is all the different wire lengths we use, the different gauges, the different strip lengths or not strip lengths. We kind of just standardize on, but different lengths of wire yes. um, and in, in their gauges and colors. And then we will, we have a, a wire processing machine. So we have, which is will, awesome to which, watch. Yeah. yeah <laughs> which will automatically cut and strip the wire for yeah. you. So we just have bins for each wire length and each gauge and each color that we use. And then we just fill those bins. So we have big right. spools of wire and then we use the wire processing machine to pre cut all that wire. 
And then it's easy, like when we get slow, yep. um, and we have a, a few hours off that uh, somebody can dedicate some time to it. They just go to the wire bins and see what's running low, and then it refill right. all the wires. Right. Yeah, that's cool. And then we we've talked about it before, but we use circuit boards a lot on the stock products, right? Yep. Yeah, we'll use as much circuit. So there's circuit boards used, obviously, for the, like the custom control circuitry, like if we're doing a microcontroller and stuff. Yeah. Um, that obviously obviously needs you know a circuit board, but then less obviously. If we're just trying to reduce wire clutter right. or reduce wire wiring, wiring so that we don't yeah. have to spend time wiring, um, we will make circuit boards that uh, just clean up the wiring. Yeah. You know, so that the, all the wiring is is cast in copper right. on, a, on a board <laughs> on a rather board, than, yeah. <laughs> rather than yeah. in. My favorite is the, the Harding. Yeah, the Harding circuit board on the new pros, right? I should stop calling them the new pros; they're not that new anymore. But the the Stagehand pros, yeah, we have these twenty four pin connectors that have like two encoders, um, ultimate limits, forward reverse right. limit. It's got some other inputs and outputs on it. Um, but anyway, twenty four pins, and <laughs> right. um, so we have a circuit board that you can just jam in there um, and solder onto the connector, and then it, it actually adapts to um rj45 yeah so it takes those it takes those 24 wires and creates three rj45 cables yes. uh, yeah, for you instead <laughs> yeah so it makes so instead of having to like wire all that stuff in and like you know uh, individually number right. each wire you can just clip in a cat5 cable and we have we use the data tough uh 300 volt rated cat5 yes. cable um for that stuff and uh so it can be you know, in the cabinet next yes. to a high voltage. Right. Or, and yeah, that simplifies awesome. wiring greatly. I love that one. <laughs> yeah. And we use that both like inside the stage hands. We also and use that like in the spot, spot lines. Yeah. Um, exactly. All that. Yeah. Yeah. Those are cool. Those are great. Yeah. So take us through the process like of, you know, kind of how we talked about the mechanical process in, in terms of stock products. What's the electrical process? Oh yeah. Like? So it's kind of similar. Like we'll, we'll try to batch things up. You know, that's the big, big difference. So, um, where we won't go start to finish like we do on a custom job. So yep. the kind of big picture processes are, you know, board soldering and board assembly. So yes. we do that still in house. Um, so we will solder up circuit boards here um, and then put them in the rack as yep. finished circuit boards. Uh, we do wiring kits since we have wiring schedules and we have um, pre-cut wire. Uh, one of the first things you do when you're, when you want to like start the process of a, of assemblies, you want to like have all of your wires, wires ready, yeah. right? Yeah. Numbered yeah. and all that. So we will pre do that in what we call wiring kits. And we yeah. have like little like rubber made bins. Yeah. Um, and we'll just fill it with, uh, all of the wires that are needed for any product. Um, so like a stagehand wiring kit, will have right. all the connectors with all their wires put on it. And then any, you know, discrete wires with all the terminations made and every wire stickered with a number. Yep. And those are really nice because that's one of the longest time things in the process, right? I mean, it's, yeah, it takes a, while a lot of time. Yeah. And, but then like over an hour cost wise yeah. is pretty, it's pretty affordable. It's pretty affordable. Right. You know, Cause it's, it's just like, like it's wire, just wire and some, and connectors. some connectors. Yeah. Right. So, uh, and then we can also, uh, like on the, for the stagehand ACs, we can prep the VFDs. The VFDs have to have like some, some things done to them. They yes. Have, you know, some holes knocked out and some parts removed, parts added. Right. That can only happen a, ahead of time. Um, and mechanical assembly. So of just, you know, 
physically putting all the components, bolting them into the cases. And then the, the last step is really actually wiring things up. Yeah. Um, and that process goes pretty quickly. If if you have everything else done right. and staged on the shelf for you, you can create, you know, you can make any of these products pretty quickly. Very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's always interesting to see. You know, you do your prep work yep. and, and it, it will pay off. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. And then, uh, and then everything gets, after it's built, it gets inspected and all that inspection right. and testing process is documented in our database and uh, that we, well, is a, just our Google Docs database yep. for the inspections. But we uh, can log that. I mean, we, 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 can, we can track it. Yep, and we it's can all go tracked. Back and, and see and, you know, yep. if somebody's having a problem we can or see two people it, have, are having the same problem, you know, we yep. see when that's made and if it's from the same batch or something yep, like that. Yep. And then repairs are tracked through the same thing. So we're tracking everything that... It, Every product that gets built gets a serial number, and we, right. we follow who who built it, who inspected it, um, and then did it have a repair, and how did that possibly go badly? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So very different, you know, very different mindset, and um, both are both are fun. Right. Both are, have their ups and downs. It's, it's nice to it's nice to be able to switch gears, and yeah, it is. Um, sometimes, sometimes you can like kind of fall into the the zone of manufacturing, which is right. nice where you just kind of, like, I know I'm just going to do this process and it's all documented. Yes. And I know it's going to work. And, um, but then, you know, it's great to bust out of that mold and, and do some customer. Right. Too. Exactly. It's, on the custom side, it's just, it's done so fast. Yep. And so it's nice to see that. Cool. Well, uh, last thing we we're going to chat about was the, was just travel. Right. <laughs> this is really non-technical. We're running, a, we're running way longer than I thought we were going to run on this. Um, but the, uh, but for travel, I got some travel coming up. Yeah. You travel a lot. Um, I thought it'd be, actually you thought it would be fun. Yeah, to I talk agreed about with you yeah. to talk about like, how do, how do you travel? What do you prep? What do you bring? Right. Um, so we have, we kind of busted into two parts here. The what's in your backpack and what's in your tool bag. Yeah. 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 So Royal, what's in your backpack? Um, so Obviously, we should back this up. I guess what's in your back? So assuming you're going out on an automation gig, like yeah. you're, you want to, you're traveling out to a job site, you're going to go set up a show. Right. What do you, I put in my backpack? Yeah. Right? What are you putting in your backpack? Yeah. So I've forgotten all of my cables. <laughs> yes. Far too many times, like my phone charger or my computer charger. Yeah. Um, so I have over the years just accumulated additional chargers and additional cables that just live in my backpack. Right. So I have a little bag inside my backpack that has all of my cables um, and it just stays in there. And I don't touch that unless I'm out somewhere and right. I put it right back in. The other thing I keep in there um, is a like a little like 10 foot Ethernet cable. Right. Because I'm always going to forget that. Yeah. Always forget that. And that's a little weird for like most people just rock Wi-Fi wherever they right. go. Right. But right. but we need it. Cause we need it for spike mark for know? spike mark connecting yep. to motors and so on. You got to have a hardwire connection. So, yeah, I always travel with an Ethernet cable right. as well. And I think you travel with the same as well of limit jumpers. Limit jumpers. Yeah. It sounds yes. stupid, but I have always forgotten to put them in my tool bag. Yep. And so now I just put them in my backpack. Yeah. I just put them in there with all of my rest of the yeah. my. For some, yeah, for some reason, if I take it out of my backpack, I won't forget to put it back in. Right. But if I take it out of my tool bag... God gonna, only knows where it's exactly. going to end up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what city it's going to be left behind right. in. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So how about you? Yeah, that, very similar. So I have like a little mesh bag um, that actually these days, is not. it doesn't even come out of my backpack. Like it's not possible to come out of my backpack. Oh, okay. It's, yep. it's stitched in. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a little pouch and I, yeah, I have all the stupid dongles because oh, you know, right. laptops these days point, have yeah. no ports. Yes. So you have to have like, 
video adapters and right. Ethernet adapters and stuff. But well, my new uh, computer, this it's got a it's got one that just has everything. Oh right? yeah, so it's got an adapter that goes you, know, you plug it into USB and it breaks out everything. Yeah, that's nice and all that, which is yeah. nice. Uh, but yeah, Ethernet cable limit jumpers are the two big things that are you know oddballs, and then obviously right. chargers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, like you, I have double of all my chargers, so I keep. A set just stays in the backpack and doesn't. Right. If it comes out of the backpack, it goes into the it backpack. Goes back right. in. Yeah. yeah. I, don't I never take it leave out. it out in the office. I don't leave it out on right. site. I don't leave it in the hotel room. It always yeah. goes back in the bag. Yeah. My girlfriend used to like go in my backpack and get my charger. Oh. I'm like, what do you get out of there? Let me, yeah. <laughs> Please let me buy you three of these. Yeah. <laughs> and then just never take it out of my bag. Yeah. Um, and then for laptops, what do you use these days? Um, usually I use my uh, Dell XPS 13. Oh, that's a nice. Yeah, I like that yeah, computer. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, I just got it a couple months ago. That's the one that's got like zero, well, almost no, zero. It's bezel. not zero. <laughs> <laughs> not exactly zero. Yeah, but, but very minimal very bezel. Very little bezel, right? So it's, I mean, it's a very nice computer. Still got a thirteen-inch display, but it's it, almost in an eleven-inch form factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. much smaller. Yeah, like the nice. overall size. That's yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. Yep. How about you? So I'm still rocking the Microsoft Surface Pro right. Three, yeah, um, which, which is very it, nice too. Which I like a lot. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's funny. It's like a machine totally of compromises. It's like it's, it's supposed to be like a tablet plus a laptop. Yeah, it's like neither a tablet nor a laptop. It's it's not great. Right. It's not a great one of either of those. Yeah. Um, but it has stuck with me. It's kind of like yeah, glue. the keyboard shockingly. Doesn't get you down, yeah. even though it got me down. <laughs> yeah, because I'm kind of a keyboard snob. And who knew I, when I a couple years ago I wasn't? And yeah, holy crap, now I am. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the student has become the master. <laughs> right. Yeah, the Service Pro. Uh, so the, for folks who don't know, the Service Pro Three is you know it's like a tablet form factor. It's got a kickstand instead of like a regular laptop hinge right um because it doesn't have like a regular keyboard base all the smarts are in the screen yep um and then it has like an accessory keyboard that clips onto the bottom yes and that accessory keyboard does have mechanical keys but uh they're very short travel right the travel is not much at all yeah it's not much at all and um the whole thing is kind of bendy like the the keyboard's kind of flexy and bendy i always just felt like i was like right on top of myself for some reason yeah no it's it's definitely a lackluster experience yeah but um the fact that the whole laptop is so thin and light, yeah. I love. It's got um, a nice battery. I mean, it's, it's got, got a, a battery, decent battery. You know, yeah, it's got a gorgeous screen. Yes, the screen is really nice. Um, it's the aspect ratio of the screen is. I was gonna say the aspect ratio is, is really nice great. Too. It's yeah. closer to like an iPad aspect ratio, but like a twelve-inch iPad right. than um, uh, like a widescreen laptop, which I love. Uh, it has a pen, which is cool. The pen. I, I used to have a Surface. Yep. Um, and I miss the pen. Yeah. The and it. I don't use the pen like a ton. No, but I use a lot in OneNote, and we yes, use OneNote, we use OneNote a, lot. a lot. Yeah, and but then then there's times where like oh, I would really wish I had the pen. Yeah, so <laughs> the pen is cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So yeah, that's what I'm rocking. Rocking. Right. The, the one big downside is that it only has one USB port. Right. And so I have my USB. I have like a USB dongle thing. But you don't charge it from that USB port. No, no, I just have a separate right? charge point charge port yeah, yeah 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 and it does have a separate display out port as well right. it has a mini display mini port. display port so i have to carry a usb thing that like i've got a usb hub yeah like a you know a, a non-powered a bus powered usb port hub um that busts out three usb threes and then it has an ethernet uh jack right. on it too right so that's cool that's cool yep um yeah and then we both bring our ipads with us yep 
Yeah. Yeah. And you you seem to use your iPad for more productivity than I do. I I haven't really been able to to do that for some reason. For me it's just it's better to use my laptop, but you like to use it. I, mean, I do a little bit. Yeah. Right. I mean, you, type, use, you use word. I use it. word on it. Yeah. Right. Cause I'm working on a book and that we'll talk about more in a, in a future um, yeah. podcast, but I'm actually like under contract with a publisher to write a book. So, right. um, the iPad, it, you know, <laughs> if you're in a coach class seat on an airplane, <laughs> it's really hard to use any laptop. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but the iPad on the other hand, um, yeah, you can set it on the tray table in front of you, yep. and then I have a little Bluetooth keyboard that I keep on my knees. Right. <laughs> so, like, I'm just, a total touch typist. Like, yep. I don't have to look at the keyboard. Yeah, yeah. So, I keep the my hands under the tray table on the keyboard um, that's resting on my knees, and I can type pretty well right. on that. Yep. Um, and so, I get a lot of like uh, of work on my book done that, that way. Yeah. Um, and then I also use OneNote. I think you use OneNote. I use, on your that's iPad. a fair point. Yeah, I do use OneNote on the iPad yeah. a lot. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm and, using it right now. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, and then the, uh, obviously the entertainment, entertainment I mean, we watch it. movies and stuff like that yep. and music and I use the iPad the most when I'm traveling, you know, uh, yes. I use it very rarely otherwise. Right. And then I use it as an e-reader. If you have a Kindle that you, I like the Kindle better if I can, if I'm, it's funny, but like if I'm traveling, I might just, just use the iPad yeah. because it's just, then I can do only one device. Yeah. Um, but I do prefer the Kindle. It's lighter and I like the screen. Yeah. And then yeah. to me, the funnier bit is the uh, file access. Of, <laughs> yeah. Because we use yeah. a server, a Synology server. Yeah. All of our, yeah, we keep all our files on a Synology server here right. at the shop. And so we have, a, there's an app called Transmit. Yeah. Um, where we can get in and access the server. And that is by far the fastest way to, to, to get, remote yeah. into our files. Right. Yeah. 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 We used to use Dropbox um, for all of our file access, yep. but then I, I because of because Condoleezza Rice sits on their board and I'm fanatically opposed <laughs> to the, to that to that politically. Yes. Um, we dropped Dropbox and we went to Synology, which has been great. Yeah. In the shop, it's awesome. It's awesome. Um, only, but outside the shop, it is not as awesome. It's not right. But you're right. The transmit app is great. Yeah. You can act. It's very quick file access uh, remotely. Right. And with iOS eight having more integration yeah and ios 9 even better yeah i'm excited about the new ios yeah i think it'll be good but it should be good yep. so and then do you do you print stuff like do you like print your itineraries and stuff like that uh, up until like a year ago i did right. i would always like i'd have like a, a manila folder yeah before like, every trip yeah. i would like print out <laughs> my and i put it all in order right like yeah. I'm going to need my boarding pass first, then I'm going to need my car reservation, then I'm going to need yeah. my hotel, and then I'm going to need the venue. Yeah. And I'd like put it in that order. I'm like, like old man Connor over here printing everything <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> it is. I guess it's an old school thing to do. Um, but yeah, I used to do that for every trip because then, you know, you didn't have to mess. You, you knew you had the information with you and um, I don't know, whatever. It was just habit, I guess. Right. But yeah, over the last year, I've kind of stopped doing that. Yeah, now I, I just use like my Delta app yeah, and then like if it's a Marriott, I usually say a Marriott, and I have their app, and right, I have the Hertz app, and like, the Hertz app, yeah, and then I have it all on email, so I can view it in my email, and then I'll usually you, move it over to like a OneDrive, to I mean not to a OneDrive, uh, OneNote. Uh, I was gonna ask you because I do that, yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. I'll have everything there. Right, I kind of I've replicated my paper process in OneNote, right. and I I use all the apps like for I don't get boarding passes or anything anymore. I just you yeah. know use the app for that on my phone. Um, but I do keep a full, I start a new folder for every trip. Yep. 
uh, or I should say I start a new tab into my travel folder for every trip. Right. And then I, I put the documents in there right. with the details. So I could get, and then I just, I have that on my phone. I have it on my iPad. Yeah. I have it on my laptop. It seems like I'm covered. Yeah. And, but you know, like for international stuff, like when, when I've been traveling international, I'll print it all still. Right. And I think that's just cause I'm, uh, I'm still a little scarred from my iPhone five. <laughs> yeah, that thing was tragic <laughs> i had like one of the first iphone fives and like the known bug was like they get to like 30 percent, and it would just die you, it would so crater. you have no you have no warning that was awesome we, we did a job to get or i think it was like a usitt regional event yeah. right we, at, in austin and we, we no, tra- it was chicago or we Oh well, I think both. We're going, yeah, yeah, that's true. But <laughs> I don't think it got better. <laughs> that iPhone it was the same sucked. iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'd be driving around like, which actually gets to another point too about like the pre-planning versus like just you know using directions on your phone. But anyway, we'd be like driving in the car. You'd be navigating, and yeah. you'd be like. Oh, hold on. Sorry, dude. We're gonna, we're gonna <laughs> have like, to... take a left and never mind. I don't know. And we're then gonna... good luck. Yeah, because we're gonna have my to pull over. again. Yeah, we're gonna pull over. We'll wait like ten minutes and it will come back on. Yeah, <laughs> you just gotta be patient. Yeah, yeah, that was funny. That iPhone five. Oh, that thing was horrible. Um, yeah, and then I remember when we were doing like a trade show, and uh, we got up one morning, we went to the car, and and we headed out the door, and. Uh, as we were getting into the car, you started looking up directions <laughs> to the venue. <laughs> and you're like, uh, I think, hold on, you're going to have to take... I'm like, I I looked at a map before I got in the car, yeah. Royal. I'm good. I, I know where <laughs> we're going. And you're nah, like, I, <laughs> I got a GPS. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, again, I think that's like an old school, uh, old school, new school thing. Yeah, right. Where, like, I don't... I don't not that I never get in the car without looking, but if I'm doing a job, yeah. like if I gotta, if I gotta, if I've, if I'm committed to right. meeting somebody somewhere, um, I'm gonna look at a map, that's, yeah, that's the night before point. or the morning of or yeah. something, and yeah, yeah. know what roads I'm gonna take. And, uh, right. and you're like, oh, whatever, dude. I got my iPhone five. What could possibly what go could wrong? Possibly go wrong. It's gonna last forever <laughs> until it doesn't. Until it doesn't. <laughs> Luckily, the new iPhone sixes haven't had that problem. So yes. All right. So that's what's in your backpack. Let's go to what's in the tool. What's in your tool bag? So yeah. first of all, what is your tool bag? We both have the same tool. We bag. both have the same tool bag. Yep. I used to use um, like a Pelican case. Yeah. Uh, for a while, and then I had a hard time like getting that underweight, and then it was always paying because the the case itself weighed so much, right? And getting yeah. and then I, we always had to pay overages, and I'm like, that's stupid. Um, and then I just used like a regular tool bag for a while. Yeah, gate know? mouth. Yeah, gate mouth. Yep. And those sucked because I mean they get heavy because you're carrying around tools and you got to carry it around through, yeah. through an airport and all that. And I'm like, this sucks. Yeah. And I found um, Husky makes a rolling tool bag, right? Um, which is very nice. And it seems to have held up well. I've had it for like a year, year yeah. and a half now. And I thought for sure it was only going to last a couple trips. And then I was going to have to replace it or something. And Yeah, uh, I have the same. I bought one after you got it. Yep. And it's been great. Yeah. It's like a medium size. Yep. So it's not huge, but it's not too small. Right. Um, it's got wheels. It's got a handle. A retracting handle, which is nice. Yeah. It's light. It takes, you know, if you're, cause you got to get everything under 50 pounds on your tool bag. And, uh, you know, tools are heavy, yes. so you don't want to, you don't want to use up that allotment on the actual bag itself. So right. It's nice and lightweight, yep. which is great. Yeah. And it was, I mean, for a tool bag, it's pretty cheap. You know, yeah. it's like, I think it was like 50, 60 bucks. Yeah. I, I lost over like that Klein rolling tool bag. 
Right. I don't know why. Because <laughs> it says Klein on it. Because it's Klein. Yeah, it's awesome. exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it's like $130. <laughs> yep. That's probably made by the same people, I'm too. I'm sure it is. <laughs> but, the, but the Klein's got bigger wheels. I don't know why I think Oh, yeah, yeah. Wheels. It does have bigger wheels. I don't know why I think that. It's not like I'm taking it off like in dirt or something. Not yet, but you could. But I, could. I mean, I obviously, you're not doing it now because yeah. you got those small wheels. If you had bigger <laughs> right. wheels, you'd be, to you'd be totally off roading. I need thing. to take my tool bag off roading. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> so, what goes in the tool bag? Um, so, it's kind of accumulated over the years. And, like, when I first started going out, I just, like, basically emptied my entire toolbox and like put it in there <laughs> right. like, this is stupid it's, you know let me take four hammers yeah let me take my trammel points <laughs> <laughs> um no but i think like obviously we're taking like the wrenches and uh and electrical tools and, and screwdrivers and those types of things um the big things that i now take are like a, a kit for terminals so like for a, electrical for electrical terminals, yeah. So like the termination, so like you know the ferrules or like the stake on crimps, like ring crimps, yeah, you, uh, fork crimps and stuff like that. And, um, little plastic boxes, like like the things you'd find at like Joanne Fabrics, like yes. for like uh, people who do crafting things. You get one of those boxes and you fill it with all the different kinds of electrical terminals that you need, right? You know, ferrules, crimps, uh, pins, yes. sockets. Uh, all the stuff that you're not going to, I mean, some of that you're going to go to a hardware store and find, but it's just more convenient to have. To have. But then a lot of that stuff that, no, you're not going to find that yeah, at a hardware like store. Like our Harding pens, you know? Yeah. We're not going to find those anywhere. No. And and then, you know, I make those kits and they just stay in the tool bag. Like yeah. When, when I come back, they don't come out. And yep. Usually I kind of keep it a secret too. So like the. <laughs> right. It's <laughs> so like if we're out, it, it'll get robbed. I mean. Yes. I mean, if, if we're out, I'll go get them or something, but. Yep. We want to make it yeah and that's something to get yeah i've been doing that since the 90s like when i used to travel a lot for for my job yeah uh before he, before creative counters um having those little kits i used to have an electrical one and a mechanical one yes. i don't usually keep the mechanical one up to date anymore but i do the do still do an electrical one yeah. that i put in my tool bag um our mechanical stuff is pretty we don't do stock. so much yeah yeah, yeah. yeah pretty similar you know Pretty straightforward. Pretty stuff. straightforward. Yeah, um, we're not doing so much custom stuff where yeah. it comes up. But like, if we do, like, if I am going to do like some custom mechanical thing, right? I'll make a yeah, kit. You make a kit. Yeah, like when I when we did the when I went to do the hoist, the flyman in Spain. In Spain, I yeah. made a kit for that of like yep. all of those weird parts. Right, right, right. Um, I also uh, we both carry uh, encoder what we call encoder crossover cables. Yeah, and these are just little like. 12 foot long cables that take encoders. I'm sorry, 12 foot. <laughs> These are just 144 feet. <laughs> just like a thousand foot spool of wire is all you need. Right. That's how, that's why we need to get the light tool bags. <laughs> exactly. You got to get all that copper in there. Sorry. Yeah. 12 inches. Um, it's just got a male and female encoder connector on it. And it just swaps the phases on right. the encoder. So they are swaps the channel. So a channel signal and B channel signals right. are swapped inside there. And we do that just so that if you get on site and you're rigging a winch or something and you decide that forward wants to be the other direction, yeah. um, that you can easily flip the encoder yeah. around. And so do you take like the motor turn? I, I don't take the yeah, motor turn around right. with me because we have either. a similar thing for the motor to swap phases on the motor, but it's so easy to rewire a motor that right. I don't bother. Yeah. Um, cause I, if I'm in that kind of a pickle, I have a screwdriver and exactly. I can, but the encoders are a little more fussy and it takes some soldering and yeah. you know, it's easier just to jump in. Yeah. So I, I pack that. Yeah. Right. 
And then you you carry an e-stop jumper. As yeah, well as I, I do, put it right? in my tool like, bag. Yeah. yeah. So it's a little like twenty-four volt power supply, like a wall wart power supply. Right. With our with our five, five pin, pin XLR soldered on the end. Yep. With pin one is ground, pin five is plus twenty-four right. volts, and then yeah, you can plug that into any outlet and then jack it into the to a stagehand, yep. and it'll take it out of e-stop mode. Yes. It'll energize it. Right, which is very convenient. Which is very convenient. Yep. yep. Again, for setup stuff, it's it's awesome. Similar like limit jumpers, you know, it's like right. just something that if you're particularly when you're setting up, it's great to be able to kind of defeat those um, defeat those things without having the whole system up and running. Yeah. So. And then tool wise, uh, the big thing is like packing all your crimpers. Yes. You know, for electrical work, we just do so many weird little terminals and so on that you got to have a couple of different crimpers, like right. the, the Harding crimper for Harding pins. The feral, feral crimper yeah. for ferals, um, stake on crimper for yes. you know your your normal stake on right. then, connectors. Yeah, and then you got to remember to pack like the pin extractor for yeah. the hardening connectors, right? So you can get the pins out if you need to yep. do something like that. You know, lots of screwdrivers, lots of screwdrivers. You, you know, know both like big every, and small, big and small screwdrivers. Yeah, screwdrivers. yeah, yeah. Um, metric stuff. Yeah, so like metric nut drivers and the metric wrenches. Yep, and, and metric allen keys. Right. Imperial yeah. Island keys. Yeah. So I think like, you know, what we've discussed is like, don't bring like the common tools, like, you know, a hammer. Yeah. And those types of things, like, and or like a cirque saw. Yeah. Or a know. pry bar. I mean, or may- maybe a pry bar, but. You yeah. just bring a big screwdriver. Yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> it's like really trim down the, the, the stuff that, you know, as an automation technician, you're going to be going to a job site where there's going to be some level of carpentry there. Right. So don't bring any of the carpentry tools. Like somebody can hook you up with a carpentry tool. If for some reason you need them, but odds are you, you're not going to need it. Right. But it's less likely that you're going to have like a 11 millimeter wrench, you know, that available. So bring that stuff with you. Nobody's going to have a Harding crimper with them. Don't show up without your crimping tool. Be like, well, I could get the thing running if I could just crimp the wire. Like (laughs) anybody got one? Anyone got one in your toolbox? Yeah. Like bring all the, weird specialty tools right. you know and depending on the gig you know maybe you want to pack a soldering iron like a yes. travel soldering yeah, iron yeah, as well yeah. and then if you're going to pack a travel soldering iron make sure so you pack you, solder make sure you pack like a solder cleaner, cleaner so either a sponge, sponge or, or the, the, the wire mesh. mesh yeah um and then a little travel tube of solder solder yes um, and then also some raw wire that's the other thing like, right um I, actually one thing i didn't put throw on here but i, I do often travel with is uh, i also keep a little set of alligator clips. Oh, that's a good me. point. Yeah. 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 Um, again, just for like, I don't know. Like, just in case, just in case. Right. <laughs> just, you know, always prepared. Yep. So that's a good point. Yeah. Alligator clips are, those can get you out of, out of some pinches. Yep. Or put you in, they're kind of pinchy. Yeah. Pinch you. Yeah, they're, yeah, they can pinch you. Leave them on your <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I, yeah. So those are the, Travel tips. Yep. Travel tips from Circuit and Gear. <laughs> Do you have anything else uh, travel-wise? I don't think so. Cool. Don't All trust right. your iPhone 5. Don't trust your iPhone 5. Yeah, pack an extra battery for that. <laughs> um, no, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I guess, yeah, for phones stuff, uh, we're both these days rocking iPhones. Yeah. iPhone 6 and you have a 6, 6 Plus. plus. Yeah. yeah. I'm back to the iPhone. I, I went the whole, I was an iPhone user for a long time. And I went to Android, went to Windows Phone, and right. back to the iPhone. So. Windows Phone had promise. Uh, it's a beautiful, Until beautiful platform. Week. That yeah. Until last week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Until they laid everybody off that's working on Windows right. Phone. That's dead. Yeah, that's dead. <laughs> All right. All right. That's our anyway, <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a whole different show. Um, 
uh, for a different podcast. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, if you like the show, please rate it on iTunes and tell your friends. It's the best way to f- for new people to find the show. And if you have things you'd like us to talk about, uh, send an email to podcast at creativeconnors.com. Next week, we're going to touch, we're going to circle back. Uh, Jane Gralco sent in an email about motion math. Yes. And we were going to touch base on that. We didn't have enough time to prep for that this week. Yep. Um, we got, we got the topic of that, that math plus a little bit of code to get into on that stuff. Um, and, but otherwise, uh, we got some chat about breaks coming up. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And then if anyone else has ideas of stuff they'd like to talk about, we'd love gotta, to hear them. We'd love to hear them. Um, and, uh, We will see you next week. Yep. Have a good one, guys.